Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska podcast. I hope the word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the word. This sermon has been really burning inside my spirit for a long time. And I feel that it is a matter of life and death. The church of Jesus Christ, he said, the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. But in Proverbs, there's a little teeny verse that says, a wise woman builds her house, but a foolish one tears it down with her own hands. And I thought, you know, Satan can't destroy us because God is stands up. But we can within the body of Christ, within our sanctuary, within our fellowship, tear down this church one piece at a time. And I'll tell you where it comes. Offense. How many have ever been offended? How many ever gave offense? <laughs> come on, come on, come on. <laughs> It's got to come from somewhere, right? <laughs> we always say in, in Maui, the Minihunis did it, you know. Everything you don't want to do, you blame on them. But um, the bottom line is, offense really troubles the church. It infiltrates the church. It brings friends into enemies. That which the, the, the Lord means for edification and structure and building becomes a tool of destruction. Now, I know this sounds really like it's a bummer, 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 but I think that there's a reason why God laid this on my heart. You know that the Bible in the Old Testament says, you know, if you can't, if you can't run with the horses in training, how are you going to fight on the field in battle? And, you know, we've got to, within our body, begin to understand each other Forgive each other. Humble ourselves before each other. Pray for one another. Because right now, right now, right now, in a time of peace, I know it may not seem like peace to you, but in a time of peace, if we can't live together as one, if we can't dwell together as the body of Christ, as the bride of Christ, then we cannot, when trouble comes, when persecution comes, we will be destroyed. So, I got good news for you. I got good news. There's an antidote to offense. Let me give you, let me build my case just a little bit. In Proverbs 16, 18, it says, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Psalm uh, uh, 10, 4 says, in his pride, the wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. Proverbs 8, 13, the, to fear the Lord is to have is to hate evil. I hate pride, God says, and arrogance and evil behavior and, and perverse speech. Proverbs eleven two says, and when pride comes, there comes disgrace. But when humility comes, there comes wisdom. Isaiah two eleven says, and the eyes of the arrogant will be humbled and the human pride brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. And first Samuel when he was confronting King Saul after a battle that Saul went ahead and fought in, 
and instead of waiting for the Lord to direct him, he came to Saul and he says, rebellion is like the sin of witchcraft and arrogance as a sin of idolatry. So pride really is the issue of offense. You see, if it didn't matter what you told me, and you called me a, a flying purple people eater or whatever, you know, and I, and I said, oh, yeah, that's funny, ha-ha, I'm not offended. But you just tell me right now that you don't like the way I, 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 um, I, I uh, preach my sermon, and then, you know, I'm going to be offended. In other words, what, attach, what, what attaches our pride is that which causes offense. Our pride. Now, I don't have it. Pride? No, not me. The Bible says every man is righteous in his own eyes. Come on, come on, come on. So if I would come to you and bring correction, you would say that's just not true. You're not right, Pastor Colleen. You're not right. You don't know what you're talking about. That's not me. That's not true. And besides that, you didn't come in the right spirit. But you see, a humble heart says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I offended you. I'm sorry that I appeared that way. I'm sorry. I humble myself before you, my sister, my brother. You know, it's something very unique that Jesus prayed. In, uh, it's recorded in Luke. How he said, Father, make them one as you and I are one. Lord God, that they will serve me and that they will go into all parts of the world. Father, make them one as we are one. I think he said it four times before he stopped. There must have been something important about that statement. Father, make them one as we are one. Why? Because when we're divided, there's no power, there's no strength. When we're divided, there's no way to go forward and take down strongholds. We can't get over ourselves. How are we going to do anything for Jesus? Okay, now I'm preaching. Where did the first pride issue uh, come from? Well, <laughs> Satan, of course, we know that, right? The Bible says that you were blameless in all your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Satan had an issue. Why? He is in the presence of God. He was a beautiful tool of worship. Beautiful. If you can think of the most beautiful thing, it would be him. He was created for beauty. Stones were in his being. Brilliant, fiery stones. And the just amazing things that, um, in, if you want to look it up in Ezekiel 28, you can look there. But in verse 17, it says, your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom. If you cannot be corrected, there is a pride issue for you. Because pride will not be corrected. We will blame. We will justify. And whatever else it takes, but don't we're not going to accept that offensive thing. We're not going to accept that correction. Um, 
God went to Cain shortly after he had offered up his fruit. And the Bible says that Cain was downcast. He was feeling sorry for himself. He was kind of feeling like he wasn't been treated right. Anybody? Nobody appreciates me. They don't even see what I do. And God came directly to Cain. I love this part. God is so personal. Cain messed up. His attitude was wrong. And God came right down and sat with him. I can just see it now. Cain, if you do what's right, you're going to be accepted. Did Cain have a problem with being accepted? I guess. If you do what's right, you're going to be accepted, Cain. But if you do what's wrong, sin is crouching at the door. Now, Cain, in human likeness, just like his mother and father, did not repent, but went out and killed his brother. You know, we never see anything about Cain and Abel, I mean, sorry, Adam and Eve repenting. Never once. Didn't happen. God came, confronted them and their issues, killed a, an animal to give them a covering for their naked bodies, an expression of covering their evil. And not one single time do you hear anything about repenting. And Cain followed in that tradition. God bless him. You know, you know, I think there's a verse in Matthew, Matthew 18, that says, if your brother has ought against you, what does it say? Go to him and, and confront him and try to make it right. Come on. And I believe that that teaching in Matthew comes out of that issue right there when God confronted Cain. God himself was doing what his word says. He's going. He's confronting his brother. Now, this is going to be weird. You better strap your seatbelt on because this is not true, but this is according to Colleen 5.5. 5. Okay. What if God had gone to Satan and said, Lucifer, son of the morning, wickedness has been found in you. What if he would have fallen on his face and repented. What if? That's what he wanted Cain to do. That's what he wanted Adam and Eve to do. His calling, his calling, his calling. Come, come unto me, come unto me. Be healed, be saved, be directed. Oh, God is a merciful God. God is a merciful God. Well, who hasn't? Who hasn't said... If you want something done, do it yourself. Oh, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Who hasn't said, I deserve better? Why me, God? Come on. We felt unloved, mistreated, offended, judged, and we do a lot of complaining. We justify ourselves as though we're not the blame, someone else's fault. Or arrogantly say, I would never have done that. Those people are 
So stupid. You know, I'm, I'm okay until I get in the car. And then, and then that's when it all just breaks down for me. You idiot! <laughs> Pray for me, right? You know, I remember a story from a precious woman of faith, Darlene Cunningham. And she came to a women's conference. And I'll never forget because she said, my husband is a servant of the Most High God, and he's gone for months at a time. And when I was just young with my children and caring for them, I would, he would be gone for months. And when he'd come in and walk through the door, I was so excited to just sit with him and talk and catch up and feel like we still had something together. But by, as he walked through the door, so did 15 other people following in. And never, ever could we sit down and do that because always the ministry always somebody else, always another need. And she got mad, like us wives do. And she started to complain, and the Holy Spirit said to her, you are as much of the ministry as he is. Don't get a bad attitude. Don't say, why me? Don't say, I deserve better, because that's pride weaving its way through destruction. Pride says, I'm better than you. You don't believe me? World wars have been fought over pride. I'm telling you, marriage has been destroyed over pride. Why, Pastor Colleen, that's not right. Oh, yeah? What do you disagree about? You think you're smarter and better and more wise than your husband or your wife. Come on. I do. And I know my husband's smarter than me. I know that he's smarter than me, but boy, I'm going to argue my point anyway. I'll never forget when we were were first married, and he drives a little bit sometimes. And and I was driving with him, and I was screaming bloody murder. And he was just going, whoa, you know, what's going on? I figured out a way of completely fixing that. Okay? You put your foot, you put your arm down here to the side of the seat, and you push it back. (laughs) Women, I'm talking to you. (laughs) You can't see what's going on. Unless you hit something, then you can scream. We're all so prideful. It's my way or the highway. What are you, stupid or something? We judge each other. We criticize each other. We complain because we deserve better. Oh, but none of you do that, so I'm, you know, I'm sorry. What is pride? Well, Webster says it's a feeling of deep pleasure or satisfaction derived from one's own achievements. Yay. Right now, our pride is a hopeless problem. And do you know that 
God can't even forgive us. Jesus can't forgive us unless we repent. So you see what pride does. It sets you up for total destruction. Why? Because it convinces you that it's really not your fault. It convinces you that you have the right. It convinces you that somebody else is doing you wrong. And pride is not only evil, but it's so deceptive. I don't see myself in pride. Do you see your pride? I don't think so. In fact, most of it go, you know, I failed at this and I failed at that. And, you know, I'm not very good at this. Well, guess what? That's pride too. Not living up to somebody else's standard for yourself. Not living up to your own standards for yourself. Oh, my goodness. Pride. In fact, if you want to know, it's, it's like a coin. One side says, I'm an idiot. Poor me. And the other says, I'm a, a fantastic and worship me. Same coin. Two sides. Same coin. Pride. 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 And if you deny that you've got pride, I'm just going to tell you right now, there doesn't remain any forgiveness for you. We must repent. We must repent. God's desire for the church to be one cannot happen if we're not going to forgive each other and repent. Because instead we just get angry and offended. Well, it's a dying to ourself, isn't it? Taking up your cross and following after Christ. Well, how do I manage then my feelings, my attitudes? What is it? How do I deal with pride? The church is God's antidote to pride. First, 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. What's your response to criticism? What's your response to correction? Come on. It says a whole lot about you. It says a whole lot about pride. Now, I know that it's not a happy subject to talk about because we want to be victorious, but we can't be victorious if we don't see our sin. Come on. Have a revelation of our sin and repent of it. We have to repent. In 1 Kings 15 and in 2 Chronicles 14, it tells the story of King Asa, who was a mighty man of God. He was a king of the, northern, of the southern kingdom, Judah, and they were having revival. He was tearing down all the uh, idols. He was going for it. Revival was breaking out. It was breaking out so much that in the northern kingdom, the people go, I'm going down to, I'm going down to that church because they're having revival. And they all started leaving the northern kingdom. And King Bahasha, who's the king of the northern kingdom, says, what's going on here? So he started building up uh, uh, barriers so people couldn't leave. Well, when King Asa heard about that, he was so offended. How dare he? Doesn't he know who I am? 
<laughs> so anyway, King Asa, he's so righteous, right? He goes to the temple, takes all of the money and gold and silver, takes it down to the king of Aram, who's the enemy of God's people, and pays him off to go and start a war with King Bahasha. Wow, didn't take long for us to see his colors, right? Well, the prophet came and said, King Asa, you're in big trouble. This was not right. This was very foolish. And so King Asa repented, right? <laughs> no, he threw the prophet in prison. And that's the thing that happens here too, you know. Somebody offends me. The preacher preaches about a sermon on pride. And, and you know, he says, that's the last time I'm coming to that church. I put that prophet in prison. Pride. You don't detect it. We don't see it. We don't recognize it. It comes in in a deceptive kind of way. And so, therefore, we justify ourselves because we're good. After all. What a sad story for King Asa. What a sad story. If only he would have humbled himself. God's people who are offended by correction exclude themselves from church, stay home, go to another place. Pride will not take correction. Bitterness begins to set in self-justification, and it's all over. Well, I got a good news for you. You know, I had to paint a picture of the devastation of pride because it totally is devastating. You know, we can say, oh, yeah, I sin, you know, my attitude, da-da-da-da. You know, I, uh, I sin because I smoke. That isn't the half of the problem. The sin of pride is devastating. It leads to self-justification and looking down on others, arrogance, and it also leads to a person, um, I can't remember what I was going to say. Okay, this is my third sermon, guys. Be patient with me. I'm not used to doing three sermons. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> repentance is the only way that we're going to find when asking the Holy Spirit, Lord, give me revelation of my pride. Help me to see it. And it's not going to be a pretty picture because guaranteed, <laughs> Jesus ain't going to show up and say, you are therefore forgiven of your pride. No, Jack Diddley is going to come over and say, you're an idiot. <laughs> we could receive it from God, couldn't we? Well, Cain didn't. But boy, don't you come and tell me what I'm doing wrong. You are a human just like me. And your issues are worse than mine. You know I'm saying it right. Just let somebody come and correct you. Holy moly. What are we going to do? 
God must have been really concerned about pride. He invented the church to do the correcting. I'm telling you, it is here. So if we can't learn to get corrected by our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we're finished. It demonstrates, it explodes the pride that is in us. Number one, humble yourself. Boom. Easy, right? Not. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Humble yourself. I remember my sister, she, oh, she's a troublemaker. She really is. I'm so sorry, but she is. Oh, my family hates me. She's just going off. A whole list of people. I said to her, go and apologize. Well, that was like, you know, what are you saying? It's their fault. Really? Go and apologize. Okay, pastor. And she actually went to one of their houses, driving home from church, drove past the house. They were having a a party. She hadn't been invited. I wonder why. Anyway, she got out of the car, went in there, and apologized to her family. Come on, humble yourself. You, you know, we all see ourselves so differently than we really are. I hate it when my husband goes, you don't hear yourself. What does that mean? It means you're a jerk. Don't argue with me anymore. We don't see ourselves. I am trying desperately to get these people to know they're jerks. Come on. We're, a jer- we're, we're jerks. Come on. Let's get real here. And if we don't repent, we're going to stay jerks. One, humble yourself. Two, repent. Not enough just to humble yourself. (laughs) You have to repent. Repent. What did you do wrong to the guy? Can you acknowledge it? Can you actually acknowledge that you might be wrong? I know that's incredible for some of you. Submit. Number three. Did you think this was going to be a fun sermon? (laughs) Submit. Do nothing. In Philippians 2, 3 through 4 says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility, listen to this, Consider others better than yourself. (laughs) If I ask for a show of hands, you're going to just all crawl under the pew. Consider others better than yourself. You slap me. Just, Just go right and slap me, right? Okay. One is humble, two is repent, three is, <laughs> oh, that's just for women to do to their husband. Get over it. <laughs> Submit one to another out of reverence for Christ. 
That's in Ephesians 5. It's there in black and white. Number four. Are you ready? Confess your sins one to another that you may be healed. What? I'm not going to tell you my sins. I know you're going to hold that over my head for the rest of my life. <laughs> confess my sins to you. Why? I confess to God, not to you. It has everything to do with humbling yourself. It has everything to do about overpowering the pride in your life. Number five. Forgive. Forgive. Why? You know why we don't forgive? It's because we really think we're better than them. In fact, I'll never forget. I talked to a woman about, uh, she, was, she was fussing because her kids were not serving God and she says, oh, you know, when we were in the ministry, people would come against us and offend us. And my kids would come to me and say, Mom, the so-and-so did such and such. And she'd say, just pray for him. Oh, that sounds so religious. And it is religious. It stinks in God's eyes. That is not what we do. We make it right. We go to that person that, uh, that was offended or that we've offended or that they've offended us and we go to them. And then when we pray for somebody, it isn't because they're lower than we are. And that's what you're saying. Those heathens from hell. Just pray for them. They'll get theirs. Forgive. Truly forgive from your heart. Truly forgive. Who died made you God anyway? Really, we, th we, we exalt ourselves up. When things don't go right for us, then the rest of the world is wrong. And that's just the truth. We have to overcome it. We have to. It's a matter of life and death. Okay, number, where are we? Six, right? Reconcile. Oh, I can forgive my brother if he's in California. <laughs> I'm not going to see him for a long time. No, reconcile. You go to that person and you be reconciled with them and reconcile them with you. Oh, my goodness. That is powerful. Be reconciled. Okay? Number seven. You ready? <laughs> Did I outlive my self okay I think maybe I'm I'm almost done okay ready seven is restore there's a physical manifestation of repentance and humbling yourself when you reach out to a person to restore whatever you stole restore them into a place of ministry Restore them into good standing. Restore them where they've been broken. Come on. It's an amazing thing. It's not saying to the drug addict, oh, if you just get your act together. No. It's walking with them through restoration. Come on. 
In Galatians 6, 1 says, Brothers, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you will also be tempted. And may each other, and I don't, I think something went wrong with my computer because it's saying things I don't want it to say. Okay, so I'm just going to stop right there. You can get that verse, okay? Galatians 6. Okay, number eight. Are you ready? Uh, Who's ready? I just want to make sure you're with me. Nobody's chasing after the door right now. Okay, ready? Serve. Serve one another. Jesus came as a servant, and he said in Matthew 23, but he that is the greatest among you is your servant. Serving. And I want to tell you something. Something happens when you serve. It's more than just, you know, putting yourself out for somebody else. It really is. Because something happens. In the Old Testament, it was called the anointing. The anointing oil was used only for pastors, only prophets, priests, and kings. Only. We talk about being anointed. It's really an overuse of it because in the Old Testament, it was very specific. It was only for service. So if you're sitting on the front row thinking, I'm so cute, or the back row, it doesn't matter which row you're sitting in. I'm so cute, I'm going to get anointed. No, you're anointed for service. And when you take that step and reach out and love someone or care for someone or do something for somebody else, something happens. The vial of the anointing comes up on us. And it is worth every sacrifice that you could make. So powerful. Serve one another. The last one, are you glad? (laughs) Be grateful. That's it. Be grateful. Stop complaining. We don't even hear ourselves sometimes. Oh, it's too hot. It's too cold. Open the window. Shut the window. Oh, well, don't do that. Where's the food? Where's the, how come it's so cold? It's right. We used to call the kids, they went through that stage, nine and ten, and they were just motor mouths, you know, just, they just ran at the mouth constantly. And we do, we find ourselves doing that. Have you ever just run into somebody that's always complaining? No. No, never happened, right? Do you want to run? Yes. And God does too. Here they come to the altar. It's, you know, it's not to worship or call upon the Lord or can I be used for your glory? No, it's all about me. Funniest thing in the world, my little grandson, he's not quite five and he's really having a hard time emotionally. He, I think he's just going through menopause. No, I mean... day. I'm going to fuss. I'm going to fuss. I'm going to fuss. 
same week, you know what? You're just the same way. It comes out differently than a five-year-old, but it's the same rhetoric. It's all about me. Fix me, help me. Help me, help me, help me. I wonder what God's heart is. Lord, how would you like me to pray today? Is there something you want me to pray for? What's on your heart? Wow, God would fall off his throne. I know he wouldn't do that, I'm just saying. Be grateful, be grateful. Thank him for all he's done. Don't complain. The Bible says in the Old Testament that the children of Israel released the devourer when they complained and grumbled against God. You don't want to do that? That's a big, ugly, hairy thing. Who has not been offended? We've all been offended. Who has caused offense? Yeah, we all have done that too. But the body of Christ is to be one. Jesus' last prayer, one of his last prayers is, God, make them one. Father, make them one. Father, make them one. Why? Because he knew we're a bunch of naughty sheep. But he wants to bring unity. Why? There's power in unity. Come on. If the church is going to be in the last days, making a difference, walking through this land, proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, we got to have some unity. We got to get rid of that stinking offense. Come on. I hate it. Don't you hate it? I hate it. What's the answer? I'm going to go through it real quick. Number one, humble yourself. Number two, repent. Number three, submit. Four, confess your sins. Five, forgive. Six, reconcile. Seven, restore. Eight, serve. Nine, be grateful. Hallelujah. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com and may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.